Grab your Bible. Grab your Bible real quick. Remain standing for just a moment. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. While the choir finds their place, it's wet and cold and nasty outside, but I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad for a heated building. I got a text from Brother Dustin today, and they said that their church service, uh, they're already in our tomorrow. They're way ahead of us, but their church service, he got to preach. He said had 41 people trust Christ as their Savior. Come on, give him praise right there. Amen. They, they have had a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, missions trip there in Burma, and, uh, and they're ready to come home. I'll tell you that. They're ready to come home, but they've had a great time. And, and listen, they are, they are surveying everything that we've been supporting for a few years now. Uh, he, he is saying it's unbelievable what Brother Bounds has been doing. And, and so I thank God for Brother Bounds, our missionary there, and uh, uh, all the efforts he's made to win people to Christ. And all God's people say it. I want to I want to welcome all those that are watching by way of the internet, the World Wide Web. There is a there is a snow apocalypse up in the eastern coast. Amen. And I, I know there are several several up in that area. Some in Virginia. Brother Brian Edwards. He said he was going to be tuning in, and and Jordan and all them are tuning in from North Carolina. I mean, they've got like ten or twelve inches of snow, so they can't even get out the house. She she did that that video text thing to me this morning, walking around in the snow, and I said, "You're dead to me." <laughs> totally jealous. Amen. Totally jealous of all that snow. I'd love to see that. But they are watching with us, so will y'all welcome all those who have been snowed in and they're watching us and, and they're with us today. Amen. Amen. Uh, then we've got some down in South Florida that are watching that ain't in no snow. They just like watching. Amen. So we welcome all of y'all too. Romans chapter number 6, we're going to start in verse 1, just read a couple verses. Uh, as you know, we've been preaching a series uh, on the subject, the perfect Christian or the complete, the mature Christian. And, and we are in the part of the, the series where we're dealing with sanctification and holiness. We said a mature Christian is living a life of righteousness, a life of sanctification, a life of holiness. And so today, I, I want to do something a little different. Usually I like to take a chapter and just dissect that chapter and, and stay with it. Uh, but I want to try to, I want it to my, my goal today is to try to address some myths people believe. Myths about uh, uh, spirituality, myths about sin, myths about uh, uh, religion, I guess, if you want to use that word, or scriptures. And, and, the, and the, the reason I got to deal with myths is because people get too much of their theology off of social media. If you get your theology off of a meme somebody posted on the internet, you're a special kind of, anyway... Don't do that. Don't get your theology from what Paul Paul said either. If you cannot give chapter and verse, don't take it. Base your theology on Scripture. And what is theology? Your system of belief. What you believe by Scripture. Say amen. Now, I will say this. I will confess this and I will apologize. I'm not going to apologize for content. I'm just going to apologize for the amount of content. I'm going to force feed y'all in about 30 minutes, all right? I usually have one page of notes for a Sunday morning. I've got three this morning. So, uh, yeah. So, I got to go kind of quick. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through it quick. And, and here's the thing. I wanted to be very thorough. I've got a lot of verses for you for each each point I'm trying to make so that I'm showing you, I'm not basing what I'm telling you on what I think or what I feel. I'm basing it on what God said. What God said is more important than how you feel. Are y'all with me? Now, so, so, so we're going to go through quick. And, and you say, Preacher, I'd like to have the notes. I can't write that stuff down that fast. That's fine. Just let me know and I'll give you a copy of all these notes and, and you can have them. All right? Uh, sinful myths, sinful myths about sin. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? Shall we continue? means abide, live, dwell in sin that grace may abound. Verse 2, first two words. Say it again. God forbid. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin... What's that next word? Live any longer therein. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin 
live any longer therein. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, what a great spirit has been in your house. And Lord, it's, it's, it's a good, good crowd for those nasty weather as it is outside. Thank you for their faithfulness today. I pray, Lord, that you'll teach us now. Help us to grow and learn. And uh, Lord, let us, let us debunk some myths this morning. I pray that your perfect will be done. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. Let me, let me give you the myths and then we'll, we'll tackle them today. How many of you ever heard, how many of you ever heard the phrase, all sin is the same? How many of y'all have heard that? All sin is the same. How many of y'all have heard this one? Uh, we are all the same because all of us sin. In other words, we're all sinners, so we're all the same. Okay. How about this? Don't judge others that sin differently than you. Yeah, we're going to tackle all them. It's so quiet in here because some of y'all must have said some of this. <laughs> or posted it one, amen? Let's tackle the first one. All sin is the same. All sin is the same. Uh, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Uh, there, there's, two different, there's two different avenues, if you want to use that term, avenues. Uh, uh, two different roads here. Uh, there, were, there were teachers and preachers that began to say this because they wanted to emphasize the seriousness of sin in the believer. In other words, you should never, you should never think there, uh, there, there is a sin that's not uh, going to affect you. In other words, we classify in big sin, little sin, and we use the term, oh, don't say there's a big sin or a little sin because we want you to take them all seriously. And you know what? There's a truth to that. We should take all sin seriously. There is no sin that we should never confess and forsake and be right with God because all sin separates from God. Would you say amen right there? But then on the other side of the deal, on the other side of the deal, there's people saying this because they want to live the lifestyle that they want to live and it doesn't matter and they want to use this as an excuse because they, well, you're just like me. I'm just, my sin's just different, but they're all the same. Well, according to scripture, according to scripture, all sin is not the same. Some people will take in James. You know, James said that, that, that we have God's law, right? And if you, you break one of the laws, you're guilty of all. Now, what he is trying to say in the point he's trying to make, it's not saying that if you steal a pack of bubble gum, you're guilty of adultery. What he's saying is if you steal a pack of bubble gum, you're a lawbreaker. You're a lawbreaker. It doesn't mean you're guilty of killing someone or adultery. It means you broke the law. You are a lawbreaker. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, here's the point. Here's the point. I want to take you. Where, where do we get the proof that, that, that all sin is not the same? There are sins that are different. And I'm going to give you three things here that you can write down. But first, I want you to understand, in the Old Testament, when God was given the law to Israel, there were he, he gave different responsibilities, different laws, and different consequences to the laws that were broken. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now listen, in the Old Testament, God applied different penalties to different sins. Now what does that suggest to us? There is a variation in the seriousness of some sins. In other words, a thief had to pay restitution, and a cult practicer was stoned to death. Do you see that? There's two different consequences for two different sins. If they were not different, there would be the same penalty and consequence. Now watch. Why are sins different? How can we prove that there are sins that are different? A, if you're writing those down, they are different in the way God sees them. They are different in the way God sees them. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, you've seen it posted on Facebook or on social media somewhere, God sees all sins the same. How many of y'all have seen that before? Guess what? That's a lie. Scripture does, not, scripture does not back that up. Matter of fact, Scripture teaches the exact opposite. Let me show you. Let me show you. Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter number 16, 51. Ezekiel 16, 51 says, Neither has Samaria committed half of thy sins, but thou hast multiplied thine abominations more than they, and hast justified thy sisters in all thine abominations which thou hast done. Now watch verse 52. Thou also which hast judged thy sisters bear thine own shame, for thy sins that thou hast committed are what? All. 
more, say that word, more what? Abominable than they. I looked up the word abominable. It means detestable, loathsome. What is God saying? The things that you have done is more abominable, more loathsome, more detestable than what your sisters have done. How do you, does that show us God looks at theirs differently than the others? Now watch, watch this, Proverbs 6, 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. There's that word again. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. God picked out seven specific ones that he hates. He hates. How many of y'all know there's tons of sins we can commit? God picked out seven specific ones that he says he hates. Sins are not the same. God does not look at every sin the same. Here's one more verse. Here's one more verse for that point. John 19, 9. This is Jesus speaking. Know what you're thinking. Oh, that's Old Testament. Look, watch what Jesus says. John 19, 9. Jesus answered. Now, now he's speaking to the one who's interrogating him at his trial before he is crucified. The Jewish people, the Jewish people have brought Jesus to be crucified, to be slain. They falsely accused him. They denied him. He came into his own and his own received him not. They had all of the information. They had all of the knowledge. If anybody should have knew who Jesus was, it was the nation of Israel. But even with all the light and all the information and all the knowledge they had and all the scriptures they had, they still denied him and brought him to be crucified. Now watch what Jesus says about it. Jesus answered, thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, He, talking about the nation of Israel, that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Now, I don't know if you are up on your English or not, but greater is more than lesser. Are y'all with me? What is he saying? There is something, what, what they did is worse than what you're doing. God does not see all sin the same. All right? B. B. All sins are not the same. Why? Because God doesn't see them all the same. B. They are different. Not only are they different in the way God sees them, they're different in the way they will be judged. They're different in the way they'll be judged. There's coming a judgment day. Now watch what what Jesus says in Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. This was the religious crowd, the hypocrites. For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the... Say it again. You shall receive the... Greater damnation. In other words, you're going to be judged more harshly than the rest of them. Does that make sense? So their sin is going to be judged more severely than the rest of them. Now watch this. Matthew eleven twenty. Matthew eleven twenty. Then began he to upbraid. This is Jesus again. Then he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Because they repented not. And, and the cities we're talking about was in the Galilee region. This is where he did, spent most of his time performed the most of his miracles and the, and the major majority of his miracles in the Galilee region. And, 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 and they seen stuff nobody else got to see. They got to see blinded eyes healed. They got to see lame legs uh, healed. Uh, they, they got to see people with, with demons in them cast out. They got to see some incredible miracles. Now watch what Jesus says about it. He began to upbraid these cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more, what? Tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of what? Judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, I was in Capernaum. I was there, I walked around in that place. 
Thou Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom. Now we know what Sodom is. Y'all know Sodom and Gomorrah? If the things done in Capernaum were done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. In other words, they would have repented. But I say to you that it shall be more for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. What is Jesus saying? He's saying because of your knowledge, because of what was shown to you and what was given to you and the opportunity that you had, there is going to be more mercy in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah, and we know how wicked those cities are, than you because of your unrepented heart and your unbelief. Do you all see? All sins are not the same. Why? God is going to judge them differently. God does not see all sin the same, and God does not judge all sin the same. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Number three, or C. How do we know all sin is not the same? Because they're different in the way God sees them. They're different in the way they'll be judged. But they're also different in the consequences they bring. They are different in the consequences they bring. In other words, some sins cause more damage than others. Did y'all get that? Some sins cause more damage than others. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, 16, flee fornication. That's sex outside of marriage. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doth doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. In other words, it has a different effect. It, has, it affects your physical body itself. 1 John five fifteen, If any man see his brother sin a sin that is not unto death, he shall ask. And he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that we shall pray for it or he shall pray for it. Preacher, what are you saying? There's different consequences for different sins. There are sins that have a greater effect on others. Not just on the person who sins, but on who they sin against. In other words, in other words, if Brother John, me and Brother John, uh, got into an argument and I, and I pushed him. I was violent against him, and, and I, I, I was aggressive, and I pushed him. That is a, that's a sin, by the way. That's a sin. I offended God in this sin, and this is a sin against uh, uh, my brother. But guess what? That's a whole lot different than if I take a pistol out and shoot him. Do y'all see this? There's difference in sin. There's difference in being violent and being aggressive or being angry, and there's a whole different sin from being angry and murdering. There's a, there's a different effect. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, 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 preacher, my sins are forgiven. That, that might be so. That might be so. But how many of y'all understand there's still consequences to forgiven sin? Let me, let me give you an illustration. King David. How many of y'all have ever heard of King David? How many of y'all know he's a man after God's own heart? How many of y'all know he messed up? Bad committed adultery, had the one he committed adultery's husband killed. And God confronted him. Nathan came to him and, 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 and told him a little story and it made David angry and the story was really about him and he was so in his sin he didn't even see it. And he, he said, this man will pay, this man will pay fourfold. And he said, thou art the man. And David seen it and he repented and he was so sorry. He was broken. You can go read... You can go read two different chapters in the book of Psalms. I think Psalms 51 is one and Psalm 30-something is the other where he repented and made it. And I'm telling you, son, he had to verily, verily kind of repent. And sackcloth and ashes. Oh, Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned. I've committed this in your eye. Lord, wash me with the hyssop. Make me white as snow. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Man, he repented. That was the difference between him and Saul. Saul messed up and David messed up, but Saul never repented and David did. Saul was sorry the stuff was happening to him. David was sorry he did it. And he repented. Now watch this. The Bible says that Nathan told David that your sins had been put away. God forgave him. Are y'all with me? 
God forgave him. He says, thy, thy sin, the Lord hath put away thy sin. So he was forgiven, but watch what happened. The consequences for David's sins, his baby son died. His daughter Tamar raped by his bro- her brother Amnon. Amnon was murdered by his brother Absalom. Uh, his son rapes all of David's wives that were left behind in Jerusalem after the insurrection. And then his son Absalom was killed after the failed insurrection. And then Ad- 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 Adonijah was killed later on. He said, the sword shall never depart from your house. Preacher, what are you saying? Those were consequences of a sin that was forgiven. Now, why is that so important? Because we need to stop with this foolishness about saying, I'll just ask forgiveness instead of permission. We have this foolish idea that since we're saved and and we can have our sins forgiven, we'll just ask God forgiveness. He will forgive you, but there are still consequences for forgiven sin. And there's different consequences for different sins. Listen, you can, you, can, you can speed and get a speeding ticket, and that's a consequence. Then you can, in anger, fit, call somebody to die, and there's totally different consequences. There's one thing, there's one thing flirting with somebody at work, and there's another thing showing enough committing adultery. They're both bad and they're both terrible, but they have different consequences. Can everybody see this? All sin is not the same. Quit saying all sin is the same because all sin is not the same. Sin's going to be judged differently. Sin is seen differently by God. Sin is different in the consequences they bring. The effect on others. Number two. Number two. Here's something we see a lot and we hear. Hey, we're all the same. We're all sinners. All of us sin. We're all the same. In other words, there's no, there's no difference between anybody. We're all the same. We all make mistakes. We all fail. We all sin. Now, that's, that sounds real spiritual. And, 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 and to a degree, to a degree, it's kind of accurate, but not completely. You can be, you can be a holy person or an unholy person. There is a thing called a saint are y'all with me boy it's quiet in here ain't it you know what's happened we've allowed these things to give us excuses to live the way we want to live guess what that's going to stop you can live righteous you can live holy Sometimes we see people who confess their sins and it makes us feel pretty good because we can think, well, I'm not all that bad. Elizabeth Elliot, Elizabeth Elliot, I, I, I wrote a quote that she made that, that really sums this up. You know, we're, we're, living, we're living in a, in a day when, when, when Christians, quote, are really about openness and transparency and just, you know, letting everybody know how, how we're just all bad. Don't feel bad about being bad. We're all bad and ain't no big deal. Elizabeth Elliot, by the way, Elizabeth Elliot's husband was killed. Uh, he was martyred. He was martyred being a missionary trying to reach an unreached people group. The openness, this is what she says, the openness that is often praised among Christians as a sign of true humility may sometimes be an oblique effort to prove that there is no such thing as a saint at all. And that those who believe that it is possible in the 20th century to live a holy life are only deceiving themselves. When we enjoy listening to some Christians confess his weaknesses and failures, we may be eager only to convince ourselves that we are not so bad after all. And what is she, what is she trying to say? Quit believing the lie that you can't live a life of holiness. Quit believing a foolish notion that you can't live a clean, righteous, holy life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Now watch. Now watch. We're not all the same. We're not all the same. Christians are not all the same. And let me give you two things I want you to get. Really, really, really get. First, A, if you're taking notes. Sins of rebellion are worse than sins committed in ignorance. 
Sins of rebellion are worse than sins committed in ignorance. Luke 12, 47. Luke 12, 47. Why do you think, we can go back, we can go back to what Jesus said to Pilate about the nation of Israel. Theirs was completely sins of rebellion because of what they knew. He said, you're sinning ignorantly because you don't know. They're sinning with their eyes wide open. Are y'all with me? Sins of rebellion are worse than sins committed in ignorance. Luke 12, 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will. Say that with me. Which? That's the key. That's the key. That servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with What's the point Jesus is trying to make? For unto whomsoever much is giving, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they shall ask the... What is the point? Someone said this one time, trying to justify his, his, his disobedience. And he said, well, listen, listen, Christians are forgiven. The only difference between a lost person and a saved person is a, per- a lost saved person is forgiven. That's not necessarily so. That's not necessarily so. Well, well, you know, sin in a Christian is different. It is. It's worse. It's worse. It's way worse. Why? Because when you got saved, when you were born again, the Holy Ghost came into your life. And now he is your paraclete. He is your helper. He is your teacher. He is your comforter. He is your convictor. Listen, lost people don't have him. Lost people don't have the scriptures to help them. They don't have the power of the word of God that they can ingest and develop and have strength against temptation. They don't have the way of escape like God has given the Christian and sin in a Christian is worse because of what we know. We will be held accountable for what we know. And when we know and willfully rebel, it's worse. According to Jesus, it's worse. Listen, B, this is huge, guys. This point is huge. I've got, I've got more verses for this than any of them, so, so please stay with me on this one. We're all sinners. We're all the same. We're all sinners. Not necessarily. We're not all the same. We may all sin, but we're not all the same. What do you mean? There's a difference between struggling with sin and living in sin. There is a difference between struggling in sin and living in sin. Now say that with me. There's a difference between and Let's take the first one. Let's take living in sin. Living in sin. What do we just read in Romans 6? Let's go back to our scripture. Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue? I mean, stay in, abide, live in, continue in sin that grace may abound. What's the, what's the first two words? Verse 2. Everybody say it. God forbid. God forbid. No, no, he says. How shall we that are dead to sin, what's that next word? Live any longer therein. What is he saying? If you are a child of God, you cannot live in sin. You can't. It's impossible. And I'm beginning to think this. I'm beginning to think this. I've, I have seen and I have heard people talk about, you know, he's been out of the will of God for 35 years. I just have a hard time believing that. The more I study and the more I read, the more I see that, that and you say, why do you say that? Can a Christian sin? Yeah, yeah, a Christian can and will sin. They will make a mistake. But there's a difference between habitually living in a constant way that way and making a mistake. There's a big difference. And you say, what happens when a Christian sins? Man, the Holy Ghost comes and convicts and he deals with you. And not only will he convict you, he will chasten you. Now watch. Watch what the Bible says about those living in sin. Living in sin. The word live here. The word live means to abide, to dwell, 
to have a settled residence, to continue, to pass life or time in a particular manner with regard to habits or conditions. Now, we're all adults here. We're all adults here. Do I need to explain that anymore? We know what living in sin means. We know what living in a habitual state of sin, fornication, adultery, drunkenness, whatever it might be, that you are in that, living in that, comfortable with that, and and can do that. Now, what does the Bible say about that type of person? What does the Bible say about that type of person? Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, that is a married person having sex with somebody that's not their spouse. Fornication, that's somebody having sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The word do here is the Greek word prazo. The word prazo means to practice, to perform repeatedly and habitually. It doesn't mean if, 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 if someone that, that claims to be saved committed adultery, uh, uh, had a moral failure in their life, because they did that, that meant they were not saved. That's not what it's saying. That's not what it's saying. He's saying the person that can do this habitually and continually and in a way of life, this is the way of their life. They are not saved. They're not saved. If you can habitually live in sin with no conviction and no chastening, the Bible says that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And if you are without chastening, you are a bastard and not a son. That means you're illegitimate. You may go to church every Sunday. You may carry your Bible with you. You may, be, you may claim Christianity. You may say to everybody that you're born again. But if you can live in that and not be chastened and not be convicted, you are illegitimate. Oh, but preacher, I've been, I've been living a certain way, but boy, God has been correcting me. He ain't going to quit. And let me say this. Let me say this before I go on. If you don't, if you don't, if you continue to bring a reproach on the name of Christ and you are truly born again and he's rebuked you and he's chastened you and he's tried to get your attention, it will lead to the point of death. According to scripture. Paul said let's turn this man's body over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul may be saved. That's in 1 Corinthians. That's why I don't believe a man can live 30 years saved and out. out that, that just something's not right. That, that, that doesn't jive with scripture. Listen. Living in sin is different than struggling with sin. What's the difference? Can a true believer commit sin? Yes, unfortunately. Here's the difference. Living, practicing, habitually living in that sin, uh, uh, comfortable in that sin, no conviction, no chastening. Now here's a true believer. The true believer can and will commit sin, but the difference is, the difference is it is not an unbroken pattern of habitual life. True believers will resent their sin And seek to gain victory over it. True believers will resent their sin. And seek to gain victory over it. Watch watch what it says in Romans. This is Paul. Paul talking about his inward struggles. For that which I do. This is Romans 7, 15. For that which I do I allow not. And for what I would that do I not. But what I hate that do I. If then I do that which I would not. I consent unto the law that is good. I'm going to read this fast for sake of time, then I'm going to explain it. So don't get confused. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. He says, now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. 
But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the Lord, uh, the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What is he saying? He's saying this, man, I want to do right. There is a struggle and there is a fight in my life every day. I want to do right and sometimes I don't. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, I want to do right. That's way different than living habitually, constantly. in Can y'all see this? There's a struggle. There's a fight. When you get saved, it doesn't make you perfect, but it sure changes how you feel about it. It doesn't mean you won't ever sin again, but it sure changes how you feel about it and how you go against it and how you struggle with it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Let me give you another set of verses by our friend, the Apostle Paul. Watch what he says. This is talking about the fight, the struggle. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. <clears throat> know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth, striveth, he's striving, he's working, he's fighting, he's going after it. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate. That means discipline in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What is he saying? I fight it every day. I fight temptation every day. I fight the fleshly desires every day. I bring my body under subjection. I don't let it have control of my life. I don't let it have control of my decisions or my desires. I keep it under control. I'm fighting it. I'm fighting sin. I'm not giving in to it. I'm not going to live in it or live with it. I'm going to fight it every day. I'm going to seek God for power. I'm going to seek God for perfect protection. I'm going to go after it the best I can. Honey, that is way different than living in sin a Christian who is sanctified a Christian who is righteous is fighting it every day no you're not going to be perfect no you're not going to be, be immune to making mistakes in your life but when you do make that mistake you will have conviction in your heart and it will break you down and you will be sorry before God and you will be broken and sorrowful and you'll repent before God and make it right won't just stay in it you won't just live in it if you can do that you're not even saved and all God's people say we're not all the same you can be a saint you can be righteous you can be holy we're not all the same yes we all make mistakes yes we all have issues but that don't mean we're all living in sin Number three, now I gotta hurry. Here's the last one. Don't judge others that sin differently than you. Don't judge others that sin differently than you. <clears throat> so basically it's the point, you hear it all the time. If you if you quote a Bible verse, you're just being judgmental. Nobody's perfect. In other words, you can't call out or you can't say what God says about a certain issue or certain sin because you're not perfect either. Now, if that was what God meant, there's not a preacher alive who could preach anymore. That's not what God meant. Now, number one, we need to all get this and, and, and understand this. We are never, say that word with me, Say it again. Never. never to judge lost people. We're never to judge lost people. I'll give you a verse in just a minute. But lost people do what lost people do. Don't get mad at lost people because they act like lost people. That's what they do. Are y'all with me? But what about the brethren, each other? Watch what it says. This is in 1 Corinthians. Paul is giving instructions 
to deal with the man who was having an affair with a stepmother. He said, I wrote unto you in in an epistle or a letter not to company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For that's lost people, what he's saying. For then must you needs go out of the world. In other words, if you're not to keep company with people that, do, that are living in this way and doing these things, he's talking about lost people. Man, you couldn't even go to Walmart. Are y'all with me? What he's saying, he said, but now... I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. In other words, if you have somebody sitting beside you in the pew who calls himself a Christian, who calls himself a brother in Christ or sister in Christ, and they're a fornicator or covetous or idolater or railer or drunkard or an extortioner, which such a one, no, not, don't even eat lunch with them. That's Paul, not me. Don't look at me. I just read scripture. Watch what he says. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without, that's the lost. What does it say? God judges. Don't even worry about lost people. Don't even worry about people that's outside these doors. That's not our problem. That's not our business. That's God's business. Therefore, put away from among you yourselves that wicked person. Now, let me, go, let me read verse, 1 Peter, and then I'll come back. 1 Peter four seventeen. For the time is come that... Come on, everybody. I can't hear you. That... Everybody. That... All you people say, don't judge me. For the time has come that... Judgment must begin at the house of God. He says in in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 5, Do not ye judge them that are within. That means y'all. What he's saying is we're to hold each other accountable. We have a responsibility to each other to exhort one another, to encourage one another. If we see a brother that's erring, if we see a brother straying, it is our responsibility to go to that brother and tell them and pray for them and encourage them and restore them, bring them back. Don't tell me not to judge. God said to. God said to. We are to hold each other accountable. Come on, guys. See, what we want to do is we want to make everybody nervous and we want to make everybody, okay, we're all the same. Don't look at me because you, you sin too, so yours is just different. Yours is different, but they're all the same. No, we don't distinguish. That's not true. Let me, let me, let me give you a quote. Too often, <clears throat> too often when I've heard people say all sin is the same, It sounded more like a pass for sin than an appreciation for grace. The mercy of the cross should heighten our desire for holiness, not diminish it. A cavalier attitude towards sin may indicate a head knowledge that has never grasped the true ramifications of sin or grace. The better we understand God's view of sin and what our forgiveness costs, the more we'll be like the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears, the one who is forgiven much, Truly loves much. Kevin DeYoung said this. Kevin DeYoung, here's how he he tried to explain it. Here's the problem. Here's what he says. Here's the problem. When every sin is seen as the same, we are less likely to fight any sins at all. He gives a hypothetical to the man. Why should I stop sleeping with my girlfriend when there is still lust in my heart? Why pursue holiness when even one sin in my life means I'm Osama bin Hitler in God's eyes, if all sin is the same? Again, it seems humble to act as if no sin is worse than the other. But we lose the impetus for striving and the ability to hold each other accountable when we tumble down the slip and slide of moral equivalence. All of a sudden, the elder who battles the temptation to take a second look at the racy section of the Land's End catalog shouldn't dare exercise church discipline on the young man who's fornicating with reckless abandon. When we can no longer see the different graduations of sin or among sins and sinners and sinful nations, we have not succeeded in respecting our own badness. We've cheapened God's goodness. If our own legal system does not treat all infractions in the same way, 
Surely God knows that some sins are more heinous than others. If we can spot the difference, if we can spot the difference, we'll be especially eager to put to death those sins which are most offensive to God. What's the point? I think if we can take, and I'm going to give you a conclusion, three things in conclusion. But one thing I want you to understand, at Temple Baptist Church, I want you to hate sin. I want you to hate sin. I want you to hate sin. And more specifically, your own more than others. Listen, here's the conclusion. Here's the conclusion. I just wrote three things down right off the top of my head that I I wanted you to leave with. You didn't get nothing else. Leave with this. Don't look down on anybody who sins because you have the same potential. Don't look down on anybody that sins because you have the same potential. Number two, don't think that there are not major consequences to some sins we commit. All sin is not the same and all consequences are not the same. Don't think that there are not major consequences to some sins we commit. Don't look down on anybody who sins because we all have potential. Don't think that there are not major consequences to some sins we commit. And number three, grace is not a license to sin. Grace is not a license to sin. Preacher, we don't live under the law. We live under grace. My sins are forgiven. They may be, but there's still consequences to them. There may not be consequences in the world to come, but there are surely consequences in the now and now. David still went to heaven. David still made it to glory because God put away his sins from him. But boy, David had hell to pay. What's the point? I, I, let, me, let me say this. I got to say this. I grew up really sheltered. I grew up really sheltered. I remember, I remember the first time somebody in the church got a divorce. And it was like, it was like incredibly the worst thing that I'd ever thought of in the world. He was my Sunday school teacher. And that just didn't happen to church folk. That was stuff that happens out in the world. That's that's the stuff that happens to lost people. That don't happen to saved people. Man, I remember as a kid crying. Wasn't even a family member, just my Sunday school teacher. So that's what I'm just trying to explain to you how I was raised. I was raised a lot different and how very sheltered. Just, just. I remember when I was 18 years old. I was 18 years old. And I found out that one of, one of my, my preacher heroes, I guess, that I looked up to, man, could preach the paint off the wall. Good night in the morning. He was a tight man. When you got through, he preached for 45 minutes. You thought it was 15. He was that tight. Unbelievable. And I found out that he had messed up bad, had an affair with another preacher's wife. Man, I cried. It liked to kill me. I talked to Dr. Brown. I said, I said, preacher, what's the deal? And this is what he told me. He said, how does that make you feel? And I thought about it a minute. And this is, this is the truth. I said, man, it scares me to death. Because he's a whole lot better Christian than I am. Man, I'm just trying to be, you know, Sometimes I, I don't even feel like a Christian, much less a preacher. I'm just trying my best. If he didn't make it, if that happened to him, I don't have a prayer. That's just how I felt. He said, you have to stay that way. You have to stay scared. You have to stay afraid. You have to stay fearful. Because as soon as you get comfortable... You're going to fall. How many, of y'all, how many of y'all had bicycles growing up? How many of y'all made ramps to jump with them bicycles? How many of you understand you broke your neck when you stopped being afraid? 
Hey, y'all, watch. Mm-hmm. He said, it's like a rattlesnake. As long as you're afraid of it, you ain't going to mess with it. Say, so, preacher, why are you saying all this? I want you to be afraid of sin. I want you to be afraid of unrighteousness. I want you to be afraid. I want you to fear it. I want you to run from it, flee from it, run to God. Say, God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. I want to stay afraid. I want to stay. I I, I don't don't even, I I don't, man, I get into a place with a bunch of women. I want to get away. Makes me nervous. You know that's true. I went to get some stuff for my dear head from a, a, a beauty parlor, and there was women everywhere, and I just had to hurry up and get out of there. Do I have a witness right there? Yeah. Not that they're bad. I just want, they, they're rattlesnakes, guys. No offense. Y'all laugh. Everybody made fun of Billy Graham because he wouldn't get on an elevator with, a, with any woman by himself. But guess what? There was never, never controversy with him. You know why? Rattlesnake. Hello. I don't mean that in a bad way. Y'all get what I'm trying to say? Stay afraid of sin. Don't put yourself in a bad situation. Don't ever, I heard this, this is good too. Dr. E.V. Hill said his daddy told him, said, go to, go to school and get an education so nobody will look down on you. And he said, then go a little longer so you won't look down on nobody. I hope you come in here and get enough education that you'll stay away from sin so nobody will look down on you. But then I hope you get some more so you never look down on somebody else that falls. Because we all make mistakes. We all have potential. We all have potential. We all have potential. And all God's people say it. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord.